It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, Panthers Nation? Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire here with you again. It is Monday, April 27th. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the draft. We're here. It's the first post-draft edition, the first full full post-draft edition of the podcast here. Of course, we talked about round one and previewed a little bit round two. Uh, on Friday, but now we actually have all the players in tow. We can actually start talking about the players they drafted and some of the undrafted guys that have been reportedly linked and signed with the Carolina Panthers. I didn't see that they've uh, actually announced any undrafted free agent signings yet, but obviously the reports have been flying since the end of the draft. And, you know, keep in mind, I'm also recording this on Sunday morning, so a lot of things uh, can change uh, in that time. So there might have been some more more additions since then, um, so just just keep that in mind. That's just kind of a, a disclaimer. This you know, I'm recording this Sunday morning, but this is of course going up on Monday morning. But a lot to get to, and again, crazy thing is that there were no offensive players. This is actually the first time in the common draft era that any team has had at least seven picks in the draft, and all seven of them were on the defensive side of the football. And that's exactly what the Panthers did here. Not a single offensive player. It was getting pretty interesting. You know, you you start going through some of those late picks with the Panthers, and you start thinking like, wow. And even I I jumped on the Downtown Rams live broadcast for a little bit, and I made a note of that too um, as we were in like the middle of day three. I said, you know how many offensive players the Panthers have taken so far in this draft? Zero. And that wound up going through the entire draft. So, seven defensive players for the Panthers, and we're going to touch on them uh, here in this draft. So, again, we of course started with Derek Brown, number seven overall. We touched on him on Friday. So, he's kind of the foundation piece now for this rebuilding Panthers defense. He's the guy that they're going to start building this defense around, right? He's in the middle. Uh, he's going to pair with K1 Short. And, you know, K1 Short, we don't know how many years he has left with the Panthers. Uh, but Derek Brown definitely is going to start becoming one of those foundational pieces for this defense, right? Now it was about building around that. And they started that in round two by adding some edge help alongside Brian Burns. We talked about edge as a, as a possibility they really needed to address. And I thought it was a good value here too, because this was a player, of course, that we thought could have went late in the first round, or maybe at least very high in the second round. I thought he was a possibility for the Bengals at 33, but he ends up slipping to the Panthers at number 30. And that, of course, was Penn State defensive end, Yitor Gross Matos. And you know, I got a chance to talk to uh, Gross Matos at the Combine. He's a, a real humble kid, a real family man. We, of course, um, saw the story. I know there was a lot of um, varying opinions regarding the kind of sob stories that ESPN was producing for all these draft picks. But in a way, it does help, you know, kind of understand 
a lot of the the stuff that some of these prospects have had to endure and where they've kind of built themselves from. Obviously, a player like Javon Kinlaw, we we know we already knew his story going into the draft about how he was homeless as like a young teenager, but he worked his way into uh, into what he is today. Or Ben Solak of the Draft Network wrote an incredible story on Clemson's safety and now Philadelphia Eagles' safety, their fourth-round pick, Kayvon Wallace. So if you haven't checked that article out yet, I highly suggest that you do. Um, but Yitor Grossmanos, kind of a similar situation. He lost his father very early in his life, actually in a, in an attempt to save Grossmanos in, from a potential drowning incident. Um, but unfortunately, it was Yitor's dad that ultimately drowned. So Yitor had to go through that his entire life, and he's been dedicating everything to his father. So a real great guy to root for. And... Again, it's, I, I liked I like the way he plays the edge. I think he can provide a lot of pass rush. You know, he's uh, obviously not going to have a lot of pressure. You know, he'll immediately be in the pass rush rotation, no doubt. But he at least will have an extreme, extremely amazing talent in Brian Burns next to him. So I'm I'm liking this young duo now that the Panthers will have uh, with the defensive ends with Brian Burns and. Yitor Grossmatos. Then you get to their, uh, well, later in the second round, because the Panthers, of course, ended up trading back into round two. They ended up with the final pick of round two. They traded picks 69 and 148. So to move up five spots, they essentially flipped the pick that they got from the Redskins in the Kyle Allen trade, traded that to the Seahawks to move up five spots to the final pick of round two to take one of my favorite prospects, and we, we talked about him a bit on the podcast as well, Jeremy Chin, the safety out of Southern Illinois. Now, we know the decision, of course, came down to Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons at that seventh overall pick. But as we've talked about, Jeremy Chin is almost kind of a, a lighter version of... Isaiah Simmons, right? He's very versatile. He's moved around the secondary. He can even come down and play a little bit of linebacker if he needs to. So this is this is that versatile player that the Panthers can really help operate in their defense. And you know, as they're becoming a building offense, you know, kind of almost starting from the ground up, Shin is going to be one of those kind of chess pieces that Phil Snow is going to be able to utilize. So this is almost like you know, obviously not quite because there's a lot of development to do with Chin, but this is almost like getting both Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons. It's just obviously going to take more time. He's obviously not as uh, developed or fine-tuned yet as Simmons actually is. He's ready to go. He's going to immensely help that Cardinals defense. But over time, I think Chin's going to get to at least pretty close to that level as well and really be one of the the fascinating uh, additions to this defense. So I'm really excited to see what Jeremy Chin does here. Uh, so then we move into round four, where the Panthers finally addressed the cornerback position as they went with Notre Dame cornerback Troy Pride, who I, th- I thought looked good at the, at the Senior Bowl. You know, he was a guy that was really starting to 
to come into his own. You know, there were a bunch of sleeper corners that I, I came away with from Mobile. Guys like uh, Dane Jackson, Darnay Holmes, and Troy Pride was was definitely one of them. He ran a, a 4 4 40. Uh, Lance Zierlein compared him to uh, Taron Johnson, and Taron Johnson has become one of the better nickel corners uh, in this draft or in, in, in the league. And, you know, Troy Pride is a guy that can, can kind of go either inside or outside. And again, he's got a lot of speed. He was actually a sprinter for Notre Dame as well. So really interested to see what the Panthers, what the Panthers do with him. And, you know, they did take a couple of cornerbacks here, but, um, I'm still thinking there's a, a good possibility that Ross Cockrell gets brought back. I mean, you can, uh, especially with the compensatory free agency period coming to an end soon, I I think you could see Ross Cockrell coming back. Uh, I don't think he would really count against the formula anyway, but uh, either way, I think Ross Cockrell re-signing with the Panthers to still kind of give that veteran leadership. And we know he played very well last year uh, in uh, in place of the injured James Bradbury, and you still need somebody opposite uh, Dante Jackson. So I think bringing in a guy like or bringing back a guy like Ross Cockrell, and then maybe kicking Troy Pride inside the nickel, I think would not be a bad idea. But um, I, I think there's a plan here with Troy Pride, and I'm excited to see it in action. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Round five, Panthers stick with the secondary. They actually went with Kenny Robinson. Uh, Kenny Robinson, of course, was one of the intriguing names here because remember, Kenny Robinson was the guy that left West Virginia to go play in the XFL. He spent, uh, he wound up playing, I believe, for the the uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks last season and was actually one of the better one of the better defensive backs in the XFL. He had a pair of interceptions uh, during the season. And keep in mind, the XFL only played five games. Um, and in fact, in that final week, in week five, he was the XFL's star of the week with an with an interception and a sack. Uh, he ended up starting all five games for the Battle Hawks and had 21 tackles and two interceptions. So he put up some decent numbers in the short amount of time. And then even when you go back to his time at West Virginia, he played two seasons. Uh, he had 123 total tackles between the two seasons, including 77 in 2018. And he had three interceptions in 2017 and four in 2018. So he's shown the ability to go after the ball. He has good ball skills. He, he's got good speed. Um, you know, you go back even in that 2018 season at West Virginia, he's flying around a little bit. So, uh, Kenny Robinson, you know, is definitely one of those, one of those intriguing guys. Again, I guess his value fell just because of, you know, he left the XF or he left college, tried to play in the XFL and that got shut down pretty quick. So he, 
of course didn't get a chance to do much of the the other kind of pre-draft stuff but I thought he showed some some real good traits and I think he can be a really a really valuable option I think he's a guy that you can potentially develop into a a starting safety in this league and and again that's the point with this with this Panthers defense it's about getting guys developing them and using this time in this rebuild mode to really get these guys up to speed so um a lot of athleticism I think on this defense now between Chin and Troy Pride and Kenny Robinson so I, I really like what the Panthers are doing uh in the back end of this defense and then uh, they get into round six they go back on the defensive line and sure enough they did take a Baylor player you knew it was going to happen you knew at least one Baylor player and or one Temple player was going to be added to this Panthers defense or offense really or I should just say this Panthers roster but in particular it was the Panthers defense and it was one of the big boys that Matt Rule had at Baylor defensive tackle Bravion Roy who weighed in at 332 pounds. He's 6'1", 332. At least that's what he weighed in at the Combine. Um, Last year for Baylor, he played in 14 games. He was actually... And he also earned first-team All-Big 12 honors. He had uh, 61 tackles, 13 for a loss, and and 5.5 sacks. So, a pretty productive player for Baylor, uh, even in... Uh, 2018, 34 tackles, three tackles for loss, one, one and a half sacks. So his, uh, his development and his, and his production certainly increased as his years at Baylor went on. And again, like we talked about with Derek Brown, he was the foundation, especially at the defensive tackles. Now you got to start building depth because you didn't really have a lot after Derek Brown and K1 Short. So Bravion Roy is going to add, I think, a lot of firepower. To this defensive tackle class. So uh, really excited about him. Uh, keep in mind too. He was not at the combine. Uh, he, he did not get invited to the combine. And there were a lot of play, or There were a lot of uh, draft analysts out there. That really felt that. Roy was one of the best players. That was not invited. To the combine. And the Panthers were able to get him. In round 6. And then their final pick. Of round. Or the final pick of the draft was another cornerback. This time it was Stantley Thomas Oliver the third. And that's Stan and it is Stantley. There is a T in there. It's not Stanley. It is Stantley. I had to double check that at first myself, but Stantley, S-T-A-N-T L E Y Thomas Oliver the third. Six feet one ninety-two. Uh ran a four four eight at the forty, so he's got Got a good bit of speed. He had a 34-inch vertical jump, uh, 127 broad jump. He's actually a converted receiver. He's he's only played, he's actually only played two years as a cornerback. He came to Florida International as a wide receiver, but uh, in his first year as a cornerback, he earned All Conference or he was actually an honorable mention All Conference USA in 2018. He actually had 10 pass breakups. In 18, 40 tackles, uh, three tackles for loss, and one interception. And then in 2019, he was second team All Conference USA 
led led the team again with eight pass breakups in 13 starts, had 54 tackles, four for a loss, two sacks, one interception, and two forced fumbles. Um, even at his time as a wide receiver, uh, as a uh, as a freshman, he caught 35 passes, 485 yards, and one touchdown. He was named to the All Freshman Squad at uh, in Conference USA. Uh, and an interesting note here too, because uh, that, uh, that's the nice thing too about looking at these kind of backgrounds on NFL.com and like the combine stuff. You get these really intriguing background stories as well off the field. Uh, Thomas Oliver actually added the second surname when he turned 18 to honor his stepfather who had raised him since he was eight years old. So that's how he came with the name. So I guess his regular name is uh, Stanley Thomas, and then he added the Oliver. So he's Stanley Thomas Oliver the third cornerback out of Florida International. Uh, looked like he was a really good zone corner, uh, but he definitely flies around the field a bit, has, has a pretty good ball skills. Um, could be a, a special teamer as well. Uh, a quote here too from Lance, or uh, that Lance got from a director of personnel for an AFC team. He says, I'm expecting him to be a tester, which will probably get him drafted late. He hasn't played much corner, so what is on tape isn't going to be anywhere close to a finished product. And that that's a very good point. Again, with only two years, you know, he's still kind of learning learning the position. So he's not at he's not at that level of Noah Igbenogany, <laughs> that's for sure. Because Igbenogany, of course, has only played corner for two years as well, and we watched him go with the 30th overall pick. Uh, so Thomas Oliver is still kind of working into his own, but you know, he's getting the position down pretty well, obviously, over the last two years. I mean, 18 pass breakups in two seasons is nothing to sneeze at. Again, especially when these are your first two first two seasons actually playing uh, as a cornerback. You know, watch, watching his film a little bit, like I said, I came, I came away pretty impressed. I thought he was a... He looked like a guy that can develop, and, you know, he's probably going to add some special teams value uh, to start. And eventually, I think he can become some some very good depth. Maybe kick him inside uh, to to nickel. We'll see. But again, you know, pre- pretty decent size, six feet, one ninety two. So not bad at all for a cornerback. So overall, you gotta like what the Panthers did. Uh, like I said, Trey Wingo said it best. It was all the plan seemed to be to fix the damn defense, and that's exactly what the Panthers did. And again, like you know, Matt Rule was talking to ESPN. And he, he kind of laid out a little bit what the plan was for the Panthers. And that was, you know, for the whole offseason. And that was to address the offense in free agency, which they obviously did. They brought in the new quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater and gave him a whole bunch of weapons. And then, of course, the extension for Christian McCaffrey. And then the draft was all going to be all about defense. And then that's exactly what they did. So I think you've got a lot of good... A lot of good athletes. I think you have uh, some much-needed depth. I, I think there's a lot of intrigue with with some of these players, and I'm excited to see a lot of these guys develop. And I think you know that you're starting to plant the seeds of a team that's going to be back in contention probably in a couple years from now. I mean, let's face it, this team is nowhere near ready to compete uh, in 2020, especially with. How good the NFC, the rest of the NFC South is starting to look. We know the Saints are going to continue to be the Saints with all that power, and I mean, we saw they're they're going to sign Jameis Winston, so they've got, um, you know, we saw what Jameis Winston 
was as a starter for the Buccaneers, but we can't argue that he's going to be a bad backup for Drew Brees. So they brought him in, and of course we've seen what the Buccaneers have done now too, with bringing in Tom Brady, now you bring in Rob Gronkowski. I love their pick in the fifth round as well of Tyler Johnson, and they did add a running back in Keyshawn Vaughn. So there's a lot of speed, and there's a lot of lot of weapons on that Buccaneers defense. So, I mean, early thoughts right now when the Buccaneers match up with the Panthers is it's going to be a bit of a mismatch. Uh, I don't see how the Panthers are going to be able to really hold up against this against the Buccaneers offense. And then the Falcons, they added a few pieces too. I thought they improved uh, pretty nicely throughout the uh, entire offseason. So, um realistically, I mean, we have to be pretty blunt. The, the, the Panthers are still the worst team in the NFC South. But again, the the foundation is there that this is going to be a competitive team again in, say, 2022. You know, maybe even 2021, you start to take some steps forward. Um, but 2022 could be the target year that this team could really get back into contention. And... The interesting thing, too, is they did not... We talked about the possibility of the Panthers drafting a quarterback. They obviously did not do that. And, in fact, even looking at the list of undrafted free agents, which we'll now get into uh, from Pro Football Network, there's not a quarterback on that list either. So that tells me right now that the Panthers are very happy... With the quarterbacks that are in the room right now, particularly Will Greer. Will Greer, we thought, may have still been on the roster bubble, you know, depending on what they did, even after the trading of Kyle Allen. We thought the trading of Kyle Allen was at least good for Will Greer, but it would have been what they do in the draft that could have been pretty telling. Well, again, I'm looking at the names on, uh, or that are at least being reported through Pro Football Network or, or listed on here with the undrafted free agents, and there is not a single quarterback on that list. So that tells me that not only are they very happy with Teddy Bridgewater right now as the starter and happy with P.J. Walker as one of the backups, this tells me they are very content with Will Greer as the number three. So it's going to be really interesting um, going forward how the quarterback room goes. I'm just going to run through... The names that Pro Football Network has, uh, they'll just run through them real quick. So we start with we start with Miles um, Hartsfield, the safety out of Mississippi. So another uh, another secondary player. And you're going to hear a bunch of defensive names again on here too, but certainly some uh, some offensive players as well. Uh, but we then we go to Chris Orr, the inside linebacker out of Wisconsin. Miles Adams, defensive tackle out of Rice. Uh, but finally, an offensive name uh, to note here. Cam Sutton, the tight end out of Fresno State, reportedly signed by the by the uh, the, the Carolina Panthers. And we look at we look at a guy like uh, Cam Sutton. So he's he's only listed. I mean, he he's tall, six six, but he was only listed two hundred twenty six pounds on Fresno State site. So that certainly uh, doesn't bode well for a tight end. But he did play in uh, twelve games as a senior, had two carries and six catches. So he was kind of one of the the backup guys, um, you know, in total last season. Again, six catches, one hundred and twelve yards. 
Uh, and then 2018, he added he added three catches for 42 yards. So really not a focal point, but um, again, maybe a guy that you can develop into into a blocking tight end. They needed some guys, but like we talked about with the quarterbacks, no no tight ends drafted, and um, you know they do have two tight ends listed on the undrafted the undrafted list here. But again, I think that's a pretty positive message and a, and a positive sign for Ian Thomas and how how they see him fitting in this offense. Um, but that was one of the tight ends they signed. Uh, the other was Giovanni Ricci out of Western Michigan. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And again, just running through the the list real quick, Jordan Mack of Virginia, Omar Bayless of Arkansas State was... I was seeing a lot of tweets about him. A lot of a lot of people were talking about him as uh you know seemingly surprising that he didn't he didn't get drafted. He's the again the wide receiver out of Arkansas State. He did run a 462 at the 40, uh 6'1, 212 pounds. He was actually third team AP All-American and the Sunbelt Player of the Year. He actually led the FCS or FBS. With 93 catches for 1,653 yards and 17 touchdowns. But the concern seemed to be that uh, he doesn't really have top-end speed. Uh, His agility, his short area agility isn't all that great. Uh, Needs to work on his route running. But but we we like to talk about production in college, right? Usually, or you hope sometimes that, that college production translates into the NFL and for an undrafted signing I mean to to sign a guy that had 17 touchdowns and almost 1700 yards in 2019 to get him as an undrafted free agent uh, without a doubt Bayless is going to be one of the guys to watch among this undrafted group and then they finally got the Temple guy <laughs> they, they did sign an undrafted free agent out of Temple that was outside linebacker Sam Franklin and then again, just running through the rest of the list real quick, they signed Washington. St- or reportedly, have signed Washington State Center Fred Malgoa. If I'm saying that right, Ohio State offensive tackle Brandon Bowen, Minnesota running back Rodney Smith, and TCU wide receiver Trevante Heights. So those are at least for now the uh, the undrafted free agents that have been reportedly signed by the Carolina Panthers. So again, real, really interested to see how a bunch of these guys work out. But overall, I thought the Carolina Panthers did very well. I mean, if if, if we had to give a letter grade, since we love to do that, um, I'd say at least a B plus, maybe even A minus. You know, no offensive players is certainly interesting. But again, uh, the plan seemed to be that all the offensive help was addressed 
via free agency. Um, I am a little surprised that they did not address the interior offensive line, but like we talked about with the wide receiver and the tight end positions with, you know, Will Greer and Ian, Sut- or, uh, Ian Thomas. I'm starting to combine two tight ends now, Ian Thomas and Cam Sutton. Um, but like we talked about with those guys, this could be a message saying, hey, we believe in our offensive line. We believe in guys like Dennis Daly. We feel good about the health of Greg Little. We feel like these guys are going to come in and contribute and um, and help our football team. So that that's that to me is probably the biggest the biggest interesting or the most interesting note of this draft class. Not you know all defense certainly is one thing, but um, so you know no offensive lineman, no uh, no late round quarterback. You know we touched on a guy like Anthony Gordon. He wound up going undrafted. Uh, he ended up signing with the Seahawks. But he was one quarterback I was surprised went through the entire draft without hearing his name called. Um, and we touched on him. Uh, we touched on Jalen Hurts as a possibility. But he was he was off the board in round two to the Philadelphia Eagles, which was probably one of the most shocking picks of this draft. It was Jalen Hurts to the Philadelphia Eagles when they're given $100-plus million guaranteed to Carson Wentz. But no quarterback... No off, no offensive lineman, no nothing on offense. It was all defense, but that's kind of what they had to do. They had to, as Trey Wingo put it, fix the damn defense. And I think they did a very good job of really starting to do that. So again, as these years, as these next couple of years go by, I'm really excited to watch the developments of a bunch of these guys, especially a guy like Jeremy Chin. I think he's going to be, he could turn into one of the wild cards on this defense. Again, one of those kind of positionless players like Isaiah Simmons in this class and, you know, in a similar fashion to Tyron Matthew. So we'll see what Phil Snow we'll see what Phil Snow does with them. But overall, got to be happy with what the Panthers did. Now it's now it's kind of the dead period, I guess. Nothing going on. You know, normally we would have rookie mini camps coming up soon, but of course, uh, that's going to go by the wayside. You're really not going to have much of an off-season program now. So we're just going to be talking as much as we can about this team for the foreseeable future. Um, we do have uh, division crossovers coming up or um, you know, division crossovers and other team crossovers coming up in the month of May. So we'll get a chance to touch on some of the other teams that are on the schedule. We, of course, had the division crossover back in February. I think we're planning another one of those coming up soon. We're also going to be talking to pretty much all the other teams that are on the schedule. So we'll get a chance to hear from everybody. So we'll get to talk to the guys from the Chiefs and the Chargers and the the AFC West. And I'm going to be interested to pick their brains because the AFC the teams in the AFC West definitely had uh, some fascinating drafts. You know, the Chiefs they made a scary offense scarier with the addition of Clyde Edwards Elaire in the first round. And then the Broncos, of course, double dipping on wide receiver with their first two picks with Jerry Judy and then with KJ Hamler in round two. The Raiders, of course, now have a ton of speed on, on offense. I mean they what was it, three wide receivers I think they took. Uh you know, Henry Ruggs in the first. And then actually went back they had back to back picks in the in round three and both of them 
were wide receivers. It was uh, Brian Edwards of South Carolina and Lynn Bowden of Kentucky. So Edwards could be one of the could be that big weapon on the outside, and then you've got a lot of speed with Ruggs and uh, Lynn Bowden. And then the Chargers, you know, of course, the wheels are set in motion now for the start of the new era with Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. So I'm really excited to talk to the AFC West guys. And then, of course, uh, the Panthers have the NFC North. So we'll be touching with those guys, which, of course, means, um, I mean, they're all great hosts. um, But I'm always excited to get to talk to Peter Bukowski and the Packers. I'm excited to talk to Lauren Cox with the Chicago Bears. Lauren's a great dude. I got to catch up with him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Real nice kid and and, uh, excited to talk Bears with him and, and really get into his thoughts, too, about the the quarterback dilemma in Chicago between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky and then how the, the Panthers match up with these guys, of course, too. Uh, the Lions, always great to talk to Matt Derry. And then the Minnesota Vikings and Luke Braun. Uh, of course, remember we brought him on a couple weeks ago to give his thoughts on guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Stephen Weatherly. So this will be a chance to kind of dive more into that and to kind of match up uh, the, those two teams as well. And then the two other teams, of course, we'll talk to Chris and the Redskins. Always good to talk to him. And then, of course, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, catch up with those guys as well, too. And really excited to talk with them because um, we'll get their thoughts on getting Isaiah Simmons. You know, of course, the Cardinals were right there to pick up Simmons after the Panthers didn't. So I'll be curious to uh, pick their thoughts and let you listeners get their thoughts on how they felt having Isaiah Simmons fall to them after the Panthers passed passed on him at number seven. So a lot to look forward to, and um, I want to try to get some draft guys in here as well to really get some more info on a lot of these draft picks. So hopefully a lot coming over the next couple months, but that will, at least for today, that'll wrap it up with the draft recap for the Carolina Panthers. So as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, always appreciate the support. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Follow the podcast on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are most likely there. Take care of yourselves. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow for more fun right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends, and we will see you soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 